0: Our scripture reading for today, the first one is found in First John chapter three. Uh, that's verse eleven eighty-five in your pew Bibles, page eleven eighty-five in your pew Bibles. Uh, John, First John three sixteen to eighteen, and then twenty-three and twenty-four. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and he ought to, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And this is his commandment, verse 22, 23. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. And the second reading is from the 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is on page 1114 in your pew Bible. 1 Corinthians 13, Verses seven through 12. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. For now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. May God bless the reading of his word. Father, we thank you that you have taught us how to love, you've shown us how to love by example, and we pray that we will learn and live by that example. Just ask now as Pastor Mark comes to bring us the message for today that you'll empower him, you'll give him strength, and the words that you want for him to give us in terms of a message for us today. We ask in the name of Jesus, amen.
1: Thank you, Ron. Well, I'm sure most of you have experienced what I've experienced this last week. What I'm talking about is whenever I've gotten a new or different car, and I didn't get a new or different car, I'm just reminiscing here for a minute, and perhaps you've had this experience also, all of a sudden, everywhere I go, everywhere I look, everybody has my car. Has anybody ever had that experience? So suddenly, everybody's got, you know, a Ford Explorer, and I I can't... uh, figure out why I never noticed before. Well, I have now a Ford Explorer and that's why. Similarly, uh, since we began this mini-series of messages, and again, maybe you have too, I've been noticing more than usual all the various uses of the word and concept love, so-called, out there in the world today, but mostly in the media, on TV and on the internets. Uh, For example, John Paul Young told us that love is in the air. You remember that song in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s? That was uh, his concept, at least in terms of that song, his concept of love. And as such, love has been or could have been an emotion, even a secondhand emotion, as Tina Turner told us. So why even bother with it is the implication. Forget love. Let's just enjoy the moment so long as we can. Besides, love is something we fall into and out of, the Pure Prairie League tells us. For a moment or an hour, day by day, week by week, for a week or for a weekend, for a month or a year, maybe even a decade. However long love might stay, it's something we can't control or choose. It's not up to us, really, it just comes and goes. Love just happens to us or not. Or love is the dutiful doing of something quite apart from any feelings or motives attached to it at all. Feelings or motives attached to it, the one who loves or the one who is loved. From a Christian point of view, we might hear or even have heard, the Bible says, I must love you. It doesn't say that I must like you. How many have heard that? Before, How many have said that before? To your spouses. Oh, sorry. Or love is sex. Impure and simple. It's only good and lasts only for the moment. Accompanying feelings are false. Unnecessarily complicating. Certainly unhelpful. Illusory. Speaking of, Love, so-called, has become synonymous with accepting as valid, endorsing and joining with whatever another person does or says or believes or asserts, and failing that one is charged as a hypocritical hater, not allowed apparently to have beliefs of one's own. Into this current and increasingly fraught contemporary situation, Dr. Rebecca McLaughlin has written an exceptionally timely and challenging book entitled The Secular Creed, Engaging Five Contemporary Claims. Chapter two is entitled Love is Love. She writes, how do you know that what you say tomorrow will be safe? I was sitting in a small town coffee shop in Missouri A local church had invited me to speak on gender and sexuality and the the local LGBT plus leaders had organized a protest. One leader had tweeted to warn others about the event and said I wasn't qualified to speak about such, such topics. I replied that she was probably right and I asked if she'd be willing to meet for coffee while I was in town so I could learn from her. She kindly consented and asked if she could bring her partner. I said, I'd love to meet her. As we talked, I learned that these women had met at a church youth group and were now raising two daughters. Given the high suicide rates among LGBT plus youth, they were concerned that what I would say might not be safe for vulnerable young people. When the question came, I'd heard how the sexual sin of leaders in their church had hurt and disillusioned them and how they'd found joy and safety in each other. I liked these women. I felt I understood the choices they'd made. With their experiences, perhaps I would have done the same. When I shared my story of having been romantically attracted to women since childhood, but of choosing not to pursue those attractions and ultimately to marry a man, I hoped it would build trust. But they said my story was harmful. I hadn't seen that coming. And I was trying not to cry. When one woman asked, how do you know that what you say tomorrow will be safe, I had nothing left. I don't, I replied. Jesus said that if anyone wants to come after him, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. It isn't safe. Surely we've seen and heard by now as we've made our way through 1 Corinthians 13 on love. True love, lasting love, perfect love, God's love, in fact, manifested both in the person of Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit in, among, and through us, his people, the church. Surely we've seen and heard by now that these definitions or forms of love are all lesser because they are all passing away. Now, this is an important distinction going forward. It's not that these other forms of love, so-called, are false, They are not false. They are real experiences in the lives of real people. In fact, each of them, or at least most of them, is part of God's own definition, form, and intention of love. That is, if they're kept in their proper God-assigned context. But they are all lesser. And they are all passing away. Because they are not love itself. The Bible reveals to us, has revealed to us, that love is a person, and that love is expressed by and love is manifested in a person. God is love. Love is not God, mind you. That's, those two things aren't the same, but God is love. Wherever he is, there is love. Why? Because God is love. Love. All these other versions or forms and definitions of love so-called are component parts of love in their proper context, but they are all lesser because they are all passing and and none of them are love itself. They will not survive, none of them will, death for example. None of them will survive death. Some of them won't survive the weak. And they will not survive, whether death or the end of the week, because they are not God. All of them will come, all of them will go, and they are all coming to an end eventually. But God and God's love? Well, God is, was, and forever will be. Therefore, and hereon after, love, God's love, is, and it will never pass away. Instead, God and God's love will persist for all eternity. There is no end to God, and there will be no end to his love. I think this is an excellent place to pause and take a breath and highlight the central truth of our message for this morning. You've got it there in your upper left-hand corner of your bulletin. We referenced it earlier. Here it is. The love of God in Christ Jesus for all and in everything is both infinite and eternal and the whole point of the biblical Christian faith, life, and ministry. One more time: the love of God in Christ Jesus for all and in everything is both infinite and eternal. And it's the whole point of the biblical Christian faith, life, and ministry. So that's the introduction. Let me uh, just ask you to join me in prayer for just a moment, Lord. Thank you for this, your word. Thank you for challenging us with the concept of love, love that is sacrificial, love that is giving, love that is others-oriented, love that is in Christ. And we learn from your word that you are love. And we are learning, Lord, that because you are love and because you have adopted us as your children, you have made us your people, that we are to be loved to others. We are to have your love manifested in us and among us and through us by the Holy Spirit. And we are to reflect your character, your image, your likeness on this earth and represent you in our place and time. That is our role. That is what you have given us to do, and we can't do it on our own, we won't do it on our own. We need your help. Indeed, we need your intervention. We need not only to hear from you, but also we need for you to manifest yourself through us that we might love as Jesus first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want you to think about the time in your life when you felt the most loved. Take a moment. You pick the place, you pick the time, you identify the particulars. When did you feel most loved? when was it? Where was it? Who was it? Why was it then? Why was it there? Why was it them? What was it about that time or that place and that person that you knew you were loved and more than at any other time in any other place and by any other person in the world? When were you most aware that you were loved? Now, I want us to pause for a moment more and go a step further thanking God for that time, that place, that person, and the love he, she, or they expressed to us, even if they were Christians and if they were reaching out in God's love, the love that God manifested through him or her or them at that time and in that place. Go ahead and take a moment to thank God for them in that experience. I've shared with you before that the time I always go back to whenever I think about something like this And I'm not sure in terms of quantity, it's true that this is the time I was the most loved. and In fact, I'm sure it's not. Or quality, although it's a very high quality. I go back to my second grade Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Melba Jackson. I could not wait to get to her classroom on Sunday mornings. And it wasn't because I was learning so much about the Bible, it wasn't because we were doing crafts or recreation or any of that other stuff, it was because I knew that I, lo- I was loved. She, she loved me. She loved us, not just me, but us, uh, all of the children there at Zion United Methodist Church in Huntington, Indiana. And i look forward to seeing her in glory. She's been gone a long time now. But whenever I'm asked a question like this, I always go back to her. I think that was the first time in my life, perhaps, maybe, maybe not the greatest, grandest, but the first time in my life that I really felt on a very deep level, even though I couldn't have expressed it at the time, that I was loved. God often loves us through other people. And you may have noticed that this morning's message is entitled, The Durability of Christian Faith life, and ministry. And the implied truth about the durability of our faith, of our lives, and of our ministry here goes to the infinitival nature and eternality of God himself. He is infinite and he is eternal. There is no lack in him, he is full up, there, he is all that can be possibly uh, existing in all of his attributes, and he is forever. From eternity past to eternity future and every spot in between, he is. So when we talk about the durability of Christian faith, life, and ministry, we want to know two things, at least, but but two things. We want to know, first of all, will it be or is it good enough, sturdy enough, sufficient to work to do the job? And secondly, will it or does it last? Namely, until the end of this life on this earth and into eternity. Is it good enough and will it last? Look once more there at the central truth of our message for this morning. The love of God in Christ Jesus for all and in everything is both infinite and it's eternal. And the whole point of the biblical Christian faith, life and ministry is the love of God in Christ Jesus for all and in everything. In other words, because there is no end to God in terms of time, past, present and future are the same to him. Because there is no end to God in terms of being, he was, he is, he will ever be. Because there is no end to God in terms of supply, he is all sufficient in and of himself forever. There is not now, nor will there ever be a failure, a lack, or an end to God's love. This is what the Bible teaches. Or put more simply and clearly, God's love in and through Christ Jesus will never fail. Or as some of your biblical versions put it, God's love in and through Christ Jesus will never end. And we'll talk about the, debate, the difference between those two in just a moment. And God's love in Christ Jesus will never fail nor end precisely because God is love. There is no end in God. Jesus Christ is God and the very love of God in the flesh. Therefore, neither God in Christ Jesus nor his love will end or fail. And all of that to say, hopefully, we've all experienced love in this world. True love, real love, encouraging, securing, and enveloping love, whole, lasting, and persisting love, holy love, righteous love, just love. But even if we haven't, and there are people in this world who have never, ever felt loved, you and I never have been, nor will we ever be, so loved as when Jesus Christ gave himself up for us on the cross. This is the Christian gospel. That is the love that never ends. That is the love that never fails. That is the love that never betrays, that never relents, because that is the love of God in Christ Jesus offered and delivered without fail and without end to all who will believe, all who will receive. And all who, who will give ourselves to it. Amen. Let's go home. Not so fast. Bill Ayler's was on his way out the door. We've got to look at our text, right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 13. First three words of chapter 8, or rather verse 8. Love. Love never ends. That's the way my English standard version puts it. The way your NIV, if you have NIV, puts it. It says, love never fails. And there's a reason that there's a difference. The word here in the Greek, love never fails or ends, can be translated either way. Usually, it's translated more like fails or falls, maybe. Um, But if you'll notice, verse 8, or at least those first three words in verse 8, is kind of a linchpin or a pivot point between what came before and what goes after. And if we can see it this way, it may be better to understand this, this, this truth, this concept, love never fails or ends, maybe, as two sides of the same coin. One, love never ends, The other side, love never fails. And I I think we can see this fairly easily. Verse 4 through 8, we see love being characterized. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because that's that's what it's building to, right? This sort of love that we're talking about in the Bible and here in 1 Corinthians 13, specifically, never fails. That's the point. But if we pick up the reading at verse 7 and go on through verse 8, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And then what follows are a bunch of things that end. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. So, so there we understand, oh, I get it here now. Love doesn't end like these other things will end As after we're... Um, uh, out of this life, out of after we're out of these bodies, at that point, those other things will end, but love won't. It continues on into eternity, even. So it makes perfect sense, sense that this might be, and I'm I'm going to be in the middle of the road again here. I think it's both and and fail. I think he means both, and I think probably a native Greek speaker of the language of the New Testament would have seen both in this word that he uses. Fails, ends. It doesn't do either one of those things. In its character, it never fails. In its application, it never ends. It goes on and on and on and on. Both the the benefits and also the application of it. It loves and loves and loves, and it never, ever ends. But also it never fails. You see that? there in the, in the text. So I'm going to share something with you that may surprise some of you. It shouldn't, but it, but it may surprise some of you that the chapter headings, the chapter divisions, the paragraphs, and the verse numbers are all kind of arbitrarily put there by early interpreters translators. They weren't part of the original text. They're just there for our benefit. So we can find 1 Corinthians 13 somewhere in the New Testament um, in a fairly quick way. They're for reference. They aren't part of the original text. And the reason I say that is that if it were up to me, I would probably divide here the paragraph that starts with verse 4 in your Bible. I would probably begin the next paragraph at verse 7. I'd probably either give it, by, give it its own space as a paragraph or it would start out the paragraph that follows and it would read something like this, bears all th- love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends, period, verse 8. And if you see an early manuscript of this passage, that's the way it looks. There's very little punctuation in the earliest manuscripts, and so there's very early there's, there's very little punctuation. There are no line numbers, uh, chapter headings, very few paragraph indentations. Um, so all of these are placed on the text to help us today read the Bible, study the Bible, refer with each other to the Bible. Um, And and so actually, the transition that I'm talking about, the the key, the uh, linchpin, I would start at verse 7. Love bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends. And now I'm going to demonstrate to you how not only does it never fail, but it also never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, talking about right now in our lives. But then the perfect, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So we're looking forward to a time when our partial knowledge, our, pa- our partial vision, our pa- partial hearing, our partial living, the spirit is a deposit. We don't get the whole thing. We just have a deposit of the spirit. Our lives, our existences will be full then. And it it will be called truly eternal life. And so when we refer to it as eternal life, it won't merely be an expression of time that we will never again die, but it also will be an expression of who we are. We will be fully known even as we know fully at the time and that's exactly what he says here in following none of these things that we experience that we have practiced in this life on this earth in the, in this flesh will persist they won't, won't survive death and neither will all of the things that we value in the flesh and I listed some of them a little bit ago and why is that? Verse 9, for now we know in part and prophesy in part. So even, even if we're prophesying by the Holy Spirit, it's, it's partial. And we ought not get too exercised about it, too um, uh, we shouldn't uh, get too, uh, the word I want to use is proprietary, but that doesn't probably make much sense. We shouldn't hold, hold to it too closely, too, uh, too tightly. But When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So so that one verse, verse 10, is the verse that goes between um, two camps, or two schools of thought, if you will. There is, on the one hand, the cessationist camp, and there is, on the other hand, the continuationist camp. The cessationist camp says that all of the more phenomenal gifts in the New Testament have passed away because the perfect has come and the perfect is the Bible. Continuationists say that all of the gifts that are listed in the the scripture are ongoing, they continue, and the perfect spoken of here in verse 10 of chapter 13 is not the Bible, it's clearly something else because we don't know fully now, we aren't fully known yet. Um, and I'm in between the two, shock of all shocks. I am, as giant John Piper is, a cautious continuationist. I don't see anything in scripture that says that the spiritual gifts that are listed will end until the perfect comes, and the perfect ain't here yet. The Bible is God's word, but this isn't talking about the Bible. I don't believe. I believe it's when we are known fully and when we come face to face with Christ and we have glorified bodies and we are as he is, um, we will be. And here in verses 11 and following, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, equates or, or corresponds this process with growing up, with becoming mature. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Then he returns back to his point, verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly. So this corresponds with when the perfect comes. But then face to face, the partial will pass away, verse 10. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So the durability of Christian faith, life, and ministry is that it it is of infinite potential, and it will last forever. Not everything about it will last. Tongues will cease. Prophecy will cease probably preaching will cease. Probably gathering in a place like this will cease. We'll be in the presence of the Lord forever. He will be our temple and we will be his. That's what the book of Revelation says. And so we, as we we live out these lives, as we minister as God's people, as we serve the Lord together... What he has done for us on the cross. What he is doing for us by the Holy Spirit is and will ever be sufficient to accomplish every single thing he intends. And so as we leave this place today, remember that we are not our own. We were bought with a price. And God will, in fact, do his will in us and through us so long as we are available to him. And... Remember the central truth. I want you to look at it one more time. The love of God in Christ Jesus for all and in everything is both infinite. It will be and is totally sufficient. And it's eternal. It will never end. And the whole point of the biblical Christian faith, life, and ministry is the love of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we thank you once again for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to do your will through us, that you would continue to work in us, that as we learn and grow and gather and go, we will find you right there beside us, with us. Not only cheering us on, but doing your work through us, manifesting yourself, beginning with your love. In us, among us, and through us, in Jesus' name, amen.